Great job, ministering the word of God. Awesome, awesome. About positioning yourself. Stay in position, amen? There's, there's a position for prosperity. There's a position for victory that you and I have to get in and stay in that position. Don't be moved by fear and dismay. Trust God to do what he needs to do for your enemies, amen? You don't need to fight in this battle. Once you fast and pray, as Laadria said today, I almost called the name out. As, once you fast and pray, you've put the battle into God's hands. It's no longer in your hands. God takes care of it, amen? Thank you, Elder uh, Baker, for a leading service on Wednesday night. Thank you, Deacon Gershom and Mayan, for the uh, breakfast, men's breakfast yesterday. I know y'all did a great job. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, Psalm 149. Psalm 149. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Psalm 149, verses 1 through 4. He's been good. Oh, he's been good. I know for myself he's been, I know he's been good, he's been so good, he's been, he's been good, he's been All right, everybody have it? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. Praise the Lord! Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise. Where again? It's important that we be in the assembly of the saints. In the assembly of the saints. Verse 2. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with a timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Today I want to talk on the subject, beautified with salvation. Beautified with salvation. Father God, today we thank and praise you. We give you the glory and the honor for this time we have in your word. And I pray, Father, that each person today would have hearing ears and seeing eyes and receiving hearts. They're all from you, Lord. Thank you that God, the enemy, the God of this world cannot blind our hearts. Today we can receive the truth of the gospel. And that God, we can, our souls will be converted and changed because of it. Today, Lord, we receive with thanksgiving and let this word penetrate and do in us what you sent it to do, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Beautified with salvation. The last two Sundays we've been talking on the subject a couple Sundays ago. First Sunday, the ugly truth about Jesus. Right? And then we mentioned, uh, minister, last Sunday, ugly death, beautiful life. And what I've been talking about is that when people don't know, they don't recognize, understand the truth about uh, God's love for us and what he's provided for us through Jesus Christ, the devil is able to keep people bound in fear, bound in sickness. I'm not saying sickness won't come on you, but he can't keep you bound if you know what you know. I'm not saying there's no, never be a, a cause for fear. Even as Minister Jeff, or Elder Jeff rather, ministered on Wednesday night, that when 
Jehoshaphat got the news about the army coming against him. It says he's feared. But then he came right back and set himself to seek the Lord. So you'll have moments when fear tries to rise up in you. But you've got to say, nope, I'm going to set myself to seek the Lord. Okay? And so if you don't know that God loves you and Jesus has provided all these wonderful things for you, then the devil can keep you in that fear and in sickness and in debt and in lack and poverty. You see, he can't keep you that way when you know Jesus Christ became poor so you, can, you and I can be rich. He can't keep you in that kind of poverty. Amen? He can keep you in oppression and depression. He can keep you in addiction if you don't know that Jesus Christ already paid the price for that addiction. That by the Holy Ghost, he's already given us power to break out of anything. And that you and I can rely on that power. Not on willpower. Willpower is not enough. How many of y'all know that? Willpower is not enough. <laughs> Plenty of things you and I have tried to stop. And you can't stop. Because willpower is not enough. Willpower might work for a few days. Willpower is what people use when they say, well, I'm three days sober, I'm three days clean, I'm ten days, I'm three years clean. I'm, that's willpower. See, when, when you understand the power of the living God, you've been broken, you can stop counting. You can stop counting, see? But if you don't know that, then the devil will keep you in addiction and sin and depression and oppression, all those kind of things like that. But Jesus gave us something. We looked at this in John 8, 32. Something remarkable happens when you know the truth. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So there's something that happens when you and I know, understand, and embrace truth. Truth will make us something. That means that without truth, we are bound. Without truth, we are held captive. But once I embrace truth, it'll make me free. See, and that freedom first starts in our mind. Even if, even if the situation hadn't turned around, in my mind, I know I'm already free. And I know it's just a matter of time before my life matches what I received in my mind, in my spirit. You got it? So we, we've, we've been dealt this truth that we got to embrace so that it changes our lives in a drastic way. Amen? Ugly death. Beautiful life. Romans 8.32. We looked at John 8.32 in a moment ago. Two books later in Romans 8.32, the Bible says God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. It says, how shall he not with him also free to give us all things. See, so his ugly death has provided for us a beautiful life. So if we don't have a beautiful life, it's no fault of God's. God's not holding back. Psalm 84 verse 11, the Bible says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So God's not holding back. He's already made everything available to us. But you and I have to embrace the truth of what Jesus Christ has already done for us. You got it? In Isaiah 53, verse 6, I'm just giving you a little background here, a little review. The Bible says, the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So I want you to understand why it was such an ugly death for Jesus is because all of our iniquity, all of our sin was laid on him. That's why he was so twisted and contorted. He took, and if he took all of our iniquity, that means that he took all the curse. The Bible says the curse has not come causeless. 
You understand that without Jesus Christ taking our iniquity, he could not have died. Ever. He was born sinless. He never sinned. Thank you. The Bible calls him the prince of life. So that's why I said no man takes my life. I have to lay it down. It was impossible for him to die. He had to receive a grace to die. That's why the Bible said he had to lay his own head down. That's why the Bible says he gave up the ghost. You see, because it's impossible to kill someone who doesn't have iniquity or sin in him. I was thinking about this on, my, on our trip home yesterday about the character of God. And the Bible says we've been made partakers of God's divine nature. You know, you get to do that when everybody's sleeping in the car. You can just think and talk to God. And, and, so, and so I'm just sitting there meditating on, on, on the, the Bible says we've been made partakers of God's divine nature. And I'm going to, I say, Lord, I need to flesh out your nature. Because you've given us your nature. And one of those, those parts of his nature that many of us don't understand is, is the uh, uh, eternal life part of him. That God is from everlasting to everlasting. He's eternal, which means that your spirit is eternal. Man was not created to die. If Adam had sinned, men would have never died. Death came because of Adam's sin. Are y'all following me on that? So that's why the moment you and I get born again, we immediately have eternal life. Right? The Bible says we have eternal life. Not we will have, we have right now eternal life. Amen? All right, now, God is so wonderful in what he did for us in Isaiah 53, verse 6. 53, it says, and the Lord laid, has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Okay? So all the iniquity, remember, ah, oh, praise God. Um, Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah. I might be in the wrong spot here. Yeah, Isaiah 59. I was in the wrong spot, but it came back to me. The Holy Ghost helped me out. He's so good. Isaiah 59, beginning at verse 1, says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Verse 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. So notice that what separates us from God is iniquity. Are anybody awake in here? Yes. Iniquity is a separation, is a divider between us and God. But we read Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, he laid on him the iniquities of us all. That's why now there's no need for separation between us and God. Glory to God. Which now gives us the ability to access the divine life the beautiful life God has for us. Are y'all with me on this here? So God laid on Jesus on Isaiah 53 verse 6, the iniquity of us all, so he can lay on us the glory that Jesus Christ had. In John 17, Jesus asked the Father, he says, the glory that you gave me, give to them. That's his prayer. 
for us. He says, Father, the glory that you gave me, give to them. Y'all not y'all y'all get the glory that you gave me, give to them. You see? So God gave Jesus the iniquity we had and gave us the glory Jesus had. Are you seeing that here? I, I want y'all, it's, it's important that you see this. So your life is supposed to be glorious. Your life is supposed to be beautiful. Not wretched. Or as the kids say, ratchet. Romans 8, 29 through 30. I'm going to show you something here because God specializes. Y'all remember that song? God specializes in things that seem impossible. And he can do what no other power, Holy Ghost power, can do. He specializes in turning messes into miracles, into, into masterpieces, and turning junk into jewels. This is what... This is what God, God, God loves to find those. You read the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16. God loves to find people in their worst state. And clean people up and take them on high and put them on display for the whole world to see. That's why the Bible says not many wise are called, not many noble are called. He takes the foolish things, the lowly. He wants to find the bottom of the barrel folk. Wrong side of the tracks folk. Didn't even get the full 10 years of degrees in education. But barely squeaked through third grade. And make something. Take the ones who everybody else cast aside as they're never going to make it, never going to be anything. Black sheep of the family. And do something extraordinary. It says here in Romans 8, 29. says, for whom he did foreknow, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Be conformed to the image of his son. Glory to God. That he, the son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. So if he's the firstborn, then if you're the second or the third or 125 millionth, you're of the brethren. And you look just like, put verse 29 back on the screen. Look, you look just like your elder brother Jesus. So the glory that he had is now on you as a brethren or a sister and whatever you want to call it. Okay? Are y'all catching this here? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many Brethren, now verse 30, please, verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also what? Whom he called, these he also what? And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So he glorified. Now, I gave this scripture last week, but I wanted to give you a little more on that. This word glorified is the Greek word doxazo. Doxazo. Which means, this is, what, this is what it says he did to us. To make glorious. Hmm. Now remember it said, these he also called. Now he doesn't call many noble. 
He calls the ones that are the runts. The run of the litter. The ones voted least likely to succeed. Now I know some of y'all were cheerleading captains and football captains and you know valedictorians and you were the ones everybody figured was going to be the top of hit, you know, take over the world. And they were wrong. But once God gets a hold of you and once you get a hold of God See, you can, you're supposed to be glorified. Now watch what it says here. To make glorious, to adorn with luster. Y'all know luster. We used to use a product called luster, uh, luster, luster silk. How many of y'all remember luster silk you put on your hair? I'm, I'm looking at Chris back there. Chris, you don't, you used to use luster silk? <laughs> luster silk, we use that on our hair to make it, you know. It was what y'all call soul glow. <laughs> Lust of silk. But it makes it shiny. To clothe with splendor. Isn't that interesting that we always talk about God being clothed with splendor? He says, this is what I'm doing to you. To impart glory to something. To render it what? To make renowned, famous, well-known. Same thing God told Abraham in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. I'm going to make your name great. To render illustrious. Illustrious. Now watch this. To cause the dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. Now, you got to catch that. This is to make your dignity and worth become manifest and acknowledged. So, not only will you know who you are, but the world's going to know who you are because God's going to make it manifest. He's going to take, now watch this. this. This is what we read in Romans 8, 29 and 30 is the state of your spirit man. It's your spirit man because it, it says, go, put, put up verse, verse 30 again on the screen. Verse 30 on the screen. It says, these he also glorified. Duh. Notice this is past tense. All these things are past tense. They're already done. So your spirit man has already been glorified. That means on the inside, you are already glorious. On the inside, you already are illustrious. On the inside, you're already clothed with splendor. On the inside, you've already been imparted glory. But that doesn't do anything for the world. God wants to take what's on the inside and manifest it on the outside so the whole world can look and ogle and say, what in the world? We thought we had all the sense. We thought we had a lock on beauty. We thought, we thought our makeup was what made somebody glorious and beautiful and pretty. But God, you remember in Matthew 17, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John, 
up on the mountain. Y'all remember that? We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. Just, just say yeah, just say yeah. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, that's, that wasn't the name of the mountain. But we call it that because something happened on that mountain. That the Bible says that when Jesus Christ was on that mountain, he was transfigured before them. And his light, the Bible says his clothes begin to shine. Everything about him began to shine brighter than, than, than what a fuller soap can make it. I mean, he began to shine so bright that the disciples, they just, it knocked them out. They went to sleep. Peter woke up like, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build a temple. Let's build some tabernacles for y'all. Because Bob said he didn't know what to say. He, it knocked him out. Now, what happened was he manifested what was inside of him on the outside of him. You have the same glory. Anybody on this side got me? You have the same glory on the inside of you. On the inside, you are shining bright. On the inside, you are illustrious. On the inside, you are covered with, clothed with splendor. On the inside, you are somebody. Just tell your neighbor, I am somebody. But I need to let my light so shine before men. Y'all didn't say that. But I need, he needs me to let my light so shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven. So I need that light to shine from the inside to the outside, you see? And that's what God is working with us to get done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, so on the inside, I'm glorified. Okay? God wants what's on the inside to be revealed on the outside. Just like I called it, that transfiguration, right? But for this glorification, or what I want to call beautification, to manifest, there's a qualifier. There's a qualifier. And that's what I want to get to today real quick. So let's go to Psalm 149. Psalm 149. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm beautiful on the inside. You ever see somebody and they, they, they say, well, they're not too attractive, but they have a beautiful, they're beautiful on the inside. Am I going to like her? Well, she's beautiful on the inside. Well, man looks on the outward appearance. And not on the heart. You see, now, I'm going to help you with this because, see, 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 I went through this last week, I think it was, and showed you all these women in the Bible, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, uh, Dinah. You, you, can look at, you can look at Job's daughters. The Bible says Job had four daughters that are the prettiest girls you'll find on the planet. Y'all got to catch this, what I'm saying to you. See, when you become a child of God, when you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it's going to make you pretty. Man, it's going to make you handsome. You know how they say money make, makes people attractive? 
You know, you see these guys and they NBA stars or rap stars and you looking like, but that money, you're like, good gracious. Look like the bat just hit him in the face three times, bam. Now the same thing will happen to you when the glory manifests. You, if I, know, I want y'all to catch this by faith, it will change your physical characteristics. You know, you run into people who you went to high school with, and they look 10, 15, 20 years older than you do to the point you don't even recognize them. Hey, John, hey, you. to a guy, I can't say where, I can't say where, because then it'll give away, you never know who's watching, you never know who's watching. Praise God. I'll swallow that story. Hallelujah. Are you in Psalm 149? Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a what? And his praise in the where? Let Israel rejoice in who? Let the children of Zion be joyful in who? Now notice he's saying to rejoice and be joyful. These are commands to us. Let them praise his name with the what? With the what? When the last time you danced? For the Lord. Oh, help me out. Look at your neighbor and ask, when the last time you danced for the Lord? We don't go to that church because they, they do all this too emotional. They dance and all that kind of stuff. You can't be doing that. Church ain't about dancing. Let them praise his name with the dance. Oh, I got to go to a certain church because these churches have instruments. You can't play no instruments in church. Let them sing praise to him with the timbre and the heart. Yeah, but that ain't in the New Testament. Now, I don't want to offend anybody. Some of your cousins and uncles and aunties and friends go to these churches where they can't have no instruments in church because that's not in the New Testament. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, only way you take it out is if the New Testament tells you don't do it anymore. See, in the Old Testament, you could have several wives. The New Testament said let the man be the husband of one wife. Y'all guys, we New Testament now. We New Testament. See? See, so my, my point is, my point to you is, if the New Testament doesn't end it, then it continues. Got it? But notice 
How many times from verse 1 through 3 we're told to praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Verse 1. Sing a new song. His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let those who rejoice. Let the children of Zion be joyful. Let them praise in the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the temple and heart. Why? Because first of all, praise itself is beautiful. Psalm 33 verse 1. Psalm 33 verse 1 says this. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, you what? What? what, what? Okay, y'all quoting. Y'all Bible scholars, boy, y'all. Make a joyful noise to all ye lands. Y'all in Psalm 100. Okay, I said Psalm 33 verse 1. Okay, put up Psalm 100 for everybody so they'll feel better. Put up Psalm 100. Psalm 100 verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord all ye lands. That's what y'all was quoting. It's in there. It's a different place though. Okay, so Psalm 33 verse 1. Don't feel bad. At least you know that. So it says, rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise from the, from the who? Is beautiful. So when you're upright, righteous before God, your praise is beautiful. That's why I don't want to hear about all these secular people talking about they praising God. Let's pray. We're going we gonna to go to the Grammys and we're going we gonna to take them to church. You can't take them to church. I better come over here. You can't take them to church. Some of y'all so mad right now. It's interesting. Look at y'all. It says praise from the upright is beautiful. That means if it's not from the upright, it's an abomination to God. You don't want to hear no hoochie coochie mama with all they half clothes off praising that. You don't want to hear that. See, y'all don't want to hear this. But I'm going to tell a T-R-U-T-H. I'm telling you, I'm going to tell it right now. Be mad all you want to, but it's the truth. It's ugly. Praise from the upright is beautiful. Well, no, we're going to get so-and-so to sing it because they got a better voice. You mean you're going to bring in some heathen to sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound because they got a, a better voice. Maybe a better voice to you, but not to God. Not to God. Give me somebody who got a testimony. Give me somebody who got an experience with God. Who's squalling, amazing grace. I'd rather have that. Because at least it's beautiful. Psalm 147, verse 1. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord. For it is good to sing praises to God. For it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. So you see in this here. So we can already see that praise is beautiful. Thank you, Lord. So when you praise God, it's beautiful. When you praise God, it itself is beautiful. All right? All right, now, let's look at, go back to Psalm 149. Psalm 149. Hallelujah. How many saved people do I have in here? You saved. I mean, sure enough, saved you know it. Shout one time if you saved. Just shout one time. 
Psalm 149 verse 4. It says, for the Lord, this is why he say do all his praise. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. This is why you praise, because he takes pleasure in his people. He takes pleasure in his people. You add to that Psalm 35, 27, the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So there are certain things that God takes pleasure in. Right? That word pleasure, or the word prosperity rather is shalom. He takes pleasure in our prosperity and our shalom and our well-being. Now, then it says here, this is what I want to get to. He will beautify the humble with salvation. salvation. You remember that from last week? He will beautify the humble with salvation. salvation. Now, I gave you that word beautify last week from the Hebrew. The Hebrew word pa'ar, which means to glorify, beautify, adorn, to glean, or to embellish, causatively to embellish, to add something. This is what he's going to do. He's going to beautify with salvation, glorify you. He's going to adorn you. He's going to embellish, pile some things on you, dress you. God knows how to dress you. <laughs> God how to make, knows how to make you look really, really nice. You know, there are some things that you can't even get at Louis Vuitton. Gucci. These stores everybody's clamoring over to, clamoring to get into. That all they're doing is robbing the middle class and poor. They announced to the world we're going to raise our prices. And now, now more people in the store now than it was before they raised the prices. I mean, they announced this to the world we're going to raise our prices 20%. Now they got more business. <laughs> from people who can't pay their rent two months from now. But there's, there's things that the people who own Louis, they won't even, they won't even wear that stuff. <laughs> there's embellishments that you, you're not, you're not going to see no initials, no markings. You won't even know it. But why is that important, Pastor? I'm trying to show you that God, when God does something for us. Because it says he will do this. I praise him for he will do this. Okay? Now, I'm going to show you something here, and I, and I, I want to get to this here. The word salvation, the Hebrew word Yeshua, where we, we derive the word Yeshua from, I should say. It means salvation, deliverance. It means welfare. This ain't government welfare. This is you faring well. It's prosperity, victory, health. This is what that salvation means here. 
He'll beautify you with it. Deliverance. Faring well. You ever heard somebody say, man, they're doing real good for themselves. Faring well. Prosperity. Victory. Victory. And health. Yeah, he'll adorn you with victory. In fact, do me a favor, please. Go back to Psalm 149, verse 4, and give me the Amplified Classic, please. Amplified Classic. I want you to see what it says here. From that same verse, Amplified Classic. Because it's going to talk about that victory there in the Amplified Classic. It says here, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation and adorn, see that? The wretched with victory. So it doesn't matter if your life been wretched. He's going to adorn you with a victory. You had enough of losing? You ain't got to lose no more. All we do is win. From here on out. Beautify with salvation. Glorify with salvation. Adorn with salvation. Gleam and embellish with welfare and prosperity and victory and health. I want that. But there is a little qualifier. And it's not your gender. It's not your age. It's not your ethnicity. It's not your national origin. It's not how much education you have. It's not what neighborhood you live in. It's something that you and I have total control over. And it's this word humility. You, you can't control your gender. I said you can't control your gender. I heard Bill Winston said this morning, he said, if you're confused about your gender, just look down. It ain't hard to figure this out. I'm confused about my gender. Just look down, son. Something there, you're a boy. Nothing there, you're a girl. It's really that simple. See, but so you can't, you don't control your gender. You don't control your nationality or your, your, ethnic, your ethnicity. You, you can't control that. See, and if those things were the qualifiers, then some people would be left out and some people would have access. But God has made it such that to receive this beautification from salvation, he makes it something that you can control. The Bible says he beautifies the humble with salvation. The humble. Everybody say humble. Now, this word humble is the Hebrew word anav, anav, which means poor. This is including that, that anav, poor, humble, afflicted, meek, needy, weak, lowly. Are y'all hearing me today? 
poor, then you, you can be financially poor, right? Humble, afflicted. Afflicted is something that happens to you. You can't control something happening to you. Meek, needy, weak in any area, or lowly. Now, with that, those words, as we got right out of, the, out of the concordance, it covers your state of being and or your state of mind. Okay? In other words, external conditions, but also internal um, thoughts. Okay? In other words, you can be poor financially and not be humble. Matter of fact, they call them poor but proud. Po, P-O but proud. People put on their shirts and bumper stickers, poor but proud. Well, that's both evil before God. See, so just because you're poor financially doesn't make you an humble person. So we're talking about something that can be on the outside versus something that can be on the inside. Now, for our purposes, I want to deal with the inside here. Because God, he'll take somebody poor financially and beautify them with salvation. He'll do it. But that poor person must humble themselves. And the reason, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. The reason why most people say poor is because they are, they are arrogant. Y'all miss what I'm saying. Most people say poor because they're arrogant. You can't be poor and arrogant. Yes, you can. See? Sick and not healed because they're arrogant. Jesus was one time ministering, and the Bible says he's in this house, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them all. To heal them all. And for the Lord to say that, that meant that people were sick. And yet nobody reached out for his healing. But there was one man who had four friends who didn't care about nothing, broke through the roof, let their friend down in front of Jesus Christ, and that man alone was healed. He was sick, but he wasn't too proud to break through a roof to get to Jesus. Everybody else around him was sick, but too proud to reach out and touch and get his healing. I want you to hear me what I'm saying to you today. See? So we're talking about the humble. He beautifies the humble. I'm talking about the person who in their mind will humble themselves or position themselves down to say, Lord, I need you. I'm going to submit to you. That person, the Bible says, he'll beautify with salvation. Y'all getting this here? Now, God will beautify or glorify or adorn those who are humble with salvation and deliverance, prosperity, victory, and health. Now, I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures here. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Proverbs 22, verse 4. I want you to see this here. It says, by humility... And the fear of the Lord are what? Not by education. Education is wonderful. But the Bible says by humility, the fear of the Lord. Which means God can take a person who has not been educated in the least bit 
in the world system, if he can get them to humble themselves and listen to him, he'll make them rich. Riches and honor and life come by humility and the fear of the Lord. Oh, somebody ought to write that down. I'm going to write that down and take it home and read that over and over again. In fact, when you get up tomorrow and you're going to read Proverbs 22, you're going to run right into this same verse. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thank you, Lord. That, that's, that seems to me like a simple formula, Brother Joe. To be rich and have honor and long life just told me it's right there. I can stop scrambling my brain. I can stop staying up all night long trying to watch the next infomercial to find what's going to be my... Now somebody's saying, it ain't that easy. You're arrogant. This is, that's the point I'm making. This is the point I'm making to you. That most of us stay in the situation we're in because we won't humble ourselves enough to just believe God's word, period. Now, don't, don't, please don't be mad when I say you're arrogant. I don't know anything about you. I'm just saying, when you have those thoughts, those are arrogant, prideful thoughts. When God gives us simple instruction, God always operates by simple instruction. The Bible says he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. His foolishness is wiser than men. His weak things are stronger than men. So God might tell you something silly like he, like he told Hezekiah. He said, Hezekiah, he said, sent through, through the prophet Isaiah. Hezekiah was about to die. And he had the best physicians money could buy. Hezekiah is the king. The best physicians on the planet, Hezekiah had them. They're tending to him and he could get nothing better. God grants him life and tells Isaiah, he says, Isaiah, tell Hezekiah to put a lump of figs on the boils and he'll be healed. What did he do? He put the lump of figs on the boils and he was instantly healed. Now, you know, all those doctors got to be sitting there like, that, that don't make, that don't work. They're looking through all of their medical journals. They're going through all their little, they're, they're searching WebMD. They're going through Google. They're like, figs for a boy. That don't, that, they don't. These are the best doctors on the planet. But nothing worked. If Hezekiah had not humbled himself, he would have died. I'm telling you this here. It's humility. And God has been trying to talk to us and give us simple instructions. And we're so smart. Ask me how I know. It couldn't be that simple, God. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. See? But if I'm too arrogant with my smart self, then I will overlook and bypass the simple thing God tells me to do and do my own thing. I better keep going because y'all are getting frustrated with me. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Thank you, Vanessa. I'm going to preach. I'm going to try it. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man 
is haughty. Huh? What happened to them? Hardiness. Just wouldn't, wouldn't bow down and listen to God. And before honor, what happened to them? They humbled themselves. So the way down is up and the way up is down. Did you catch that? The way down is up and the way up is down. If you want to be exalted, you got to abase yourself. Before honor is humility. Now, some people, just say this and look, right, look down. You want me to hurry. That is a sign of your arrogance. That what you have to do is more important than this word. That's the problem right there. I'm trying to get you to understand. That where I got to go is more important than this word. See, what you give yourself to shows what you value. See? So we got a whole church generation today who they value their free time so much we only want to go to church for four to five minutes. Now, because we got, we got, I got, I got to get to my my little mimosa. I got to catch the brunch hour. And they made that more important than the word, and don't know why they're stuck. Oh no, I'm doing good. You ain't doing good. You ain't doing good. When God created the earth, it wasn't good till he said it was good. And God looked at something that man thought was good and said it's not good. Adam didn't know he wasn't doing good. God said, Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam didn't even know it. Y'all missed that, y'all, but Adam didn't even know it wasn't good. you're not good. You're just thinking you're good because this is, I'm doing good. God said it's not good. You don't even know you're not good. You see? So I'm not good that God says I'm good. See? So I'm trying to get where he wants me to be. All right, now, let me give you a couple of indicators here. I'm a, this going to carry into Wednesday. I know that for sure. How, how do you know if and when you're being humble or haughty and arrogant? How do you know if and when you're being humble or haughty or arrogant? Because remember our scripture said in Psalm 149 verse 4, he'll beautify the humble with salvation. I'm talking about in any situation. You can be an humble person, right? But have situations where you do not humble yourself. 
See, so I'm not talking about just being humble across the board. I mean in every situation. Because we're going to all encounter various situations in our lives where we have to make a decision. And my decision is going to be an indicator of whether I'm humble or arrogant or haughty. Okay? The Bible says, uh, um, God said this. Remember God called in Moses and uh, Aaron and Miriam. Those are the three siblings. Moses, everybody know Moses, right? Aaron, his brother. Miriam, his sister. This is when Miriam and Aaron decide they're going to kind of talk big, talk about, you know, how come Moses think he's the only one God can talk to? He ain't the only prophet in town. We prophets too. And God said, come here. He said, come here. All three of y'all, come here. Come out here. Come out here. You read it. He called him out there and he said to Miriam and Aaron, and Aaron, he said, hey, y'all better hush up. He said, Moses, he said, he's the most humble man I know. Now, God calls Moses the most humble man he knows. Yet that same Moses at the rock struck a rock. He got arrogant through his anger and did not humble himself. Are you following what I'm saying to you? All right. I just, I just got a time for a couple here. How do you know if and when you're humble or haughty what are the symptoms of either one? Okay. Let's look at the first place here. Proverbs 28, verse 25 and 26. Proverbs 28, verse 25 and 26. It says, he who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. Whoa, 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 whoa. So do you stir up strife? Do you, do you stir up the, the stink? Stir up. You know, strife is, is this division between people. Do you go run in your mouth about somebody? Well, it's just, it's just, it's just a concern. No, it ain't a concern. You gossiping. What you're doing is stirring up strife. See, you don't want strife. So the one of a proud heart stirs up strife. Okay? So you got to be careful that you're not stirring up strife between people. You and somebody else or between two people that's outside of you. I have nothing to do with it. Instigator, that's what we go. We go. Instigators or propagators. Instigators start to propagate us, keep it going. See, that's a proud person. It's a proud heart. And that person cannot be beautified. No, this is the qualifier here. Notice it, but I want you to see this here because witness this one verse. The proud heart person stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. 
So that means a proud person does not trust the Lord. So we can see here, just, just forget about the strife part for a minute because I know your mind thinks about the strife part. I want you to see the part here that a person who's proud does not trust in the Lord. This is a contrasting proverb here. Person who's proud is not going to trust. The Bible says, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean out to your understanding, all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your path. So, so if, you, if you go about things your own way, you're not trusting the Lord. You are a proud-hearted person. In fact, put verse 26 on the screen for me, please. Same place. It says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoever walks wisely will be delivered. So the one who trusts in his own heart is opposite of the person who walks wisely. Now, we just noticed the proud person was the opposite of the person who trusts in the Lord. So the proud person does not walk wisely. If A equals B, B equals C, then A must equal C. Y'all remember that? Okay. I'm just, I'm just, okay. So people who are proud do not walk wisely. How do they walk? They trust in their own hearts. Now, what do people say in the world? Hey, go with your gut. Trust your heart. Y'all not saying this. Trust your heart. And yet, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Your heart will trick you every time. Your heart will lead you wrong every time. You can't just go with how you feel. God gave us something called prayer. Y'all didn't say anything. He gave us something called prayer. Ask him. Don't trust your heart. Your heart is going to mislead you. Your heart, I guarantee you, is going to lead you wrong. Ask me how I know. Because my heart has let me wrong plenty of times. Got a trophy for the most times my heart been led you wrong. <laughs> I, this, is, this is a funny statement. I'm going to just say it because I, I can't tell you how many engagements ring, rings I bought, boy. If I, if I had all them back, I'd cover my whole hand with rings, just engagement rings. Boy, just, a lot of them. Y'all ain't saying much to me, but because your heart, man, your heart. <sighs> Come on, little girls. Oh, he loves me. This is the one, y'all. Y'all ninth graders. This is gonna be the one for the rest of my life. Man, joking. He ain't think about you when he leave the class. The next period, he got a he got a he got a period classroom, period girlfriend. This this is my this is my science girlfriend. This is my math girlfriend. This is my English girlfriend. They ain't thinking about you. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. She done went ham on me, man. That's a middle school teacher right there. That, that's where they get crazy in middle school, boy. She knows. See, so you, you can't trust your heart. 
Please tell your neighbor, you can't trust your heart. Oh, no, I have a good heart. I have a good heart. Wonderful. 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 The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So if I trust my own heart, that's an indication that I'm arrogant. I think I know. I think I know. I think I know. I got this. As you really know, Lord, I got this, Lord. I have news. You don't got this. Thank you, Lord. Can I give you another one? Psalm 34, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 34, verse 1 and 2. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, come on. Keep going. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it. <laughs> are you glad when others are blessed? This is cut right to the chase here. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. So when somebody comes and testifies about, I want to let you know what the Lord has done for me in my life, how he blessed me, you know, made a way and no way for me, God took care of me, you know, opened doors for me, got a brand new car, got a brand new house, got a brand new wife, got a brand new husband, blah, 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 blah. Do you rejoice? Are you glad? Not a little patty cake. Are you glad? Because when somebody gets blessed, the humble hear of it and are glad. So if anything shows up on your radar outside of gladness, it's an indication that there's some arrogance, there's some haughtiness. Because what generally happens if you're not humble, then you either pout or you criticize pout. What about me, Lord? What about me? When's going to be my time? Tamara got a husband. When's going to be my time? When's going to be my day? Gershom got to get got a car. When will be my day? When I'm going to get you pout. <laughs> or you criticize. Yeah, but I don't even like that car. That car ain't even. That ain't the kind of husband I want. I don't want that kind of husband. That's the kind of husband you want. That's what I mean. You criticize. Or, or you theorize. 
how they got it. So rather than be glad or rejoice, now you throw your theories out there. They probably, they, they probably, they probably went, man. They probably got 35% interest on that thing. Probably made all kind of promises. Why do all kind of stuff? No, y'all just, y'all ain't got to say much to me because I know, I know it's happened to all of us. And God has had to correct me on some stuff. Because there are times I've seen where somebody's church has exploded, somebody's church has done well, and I start theorizing. Yeah, they probably giving away donuts and they probably doing all that. They probably, they probably doing that church, brand new church, and now they got three locations. And, you know, I start criticizing. Yeah, but they, they ain't preaching the unadulterated gospel. They preaching that no milk stuff. And God had to correct me and say, at least they're getting them in. This is how God had, had to correct me. At least they're getting them in. At least they're getting people saved. Yeah, but they ain't feel, Holy Ghost filled. At least they're getting them saved. And I realize I better humble myself. Y'all ain't got to say that to me. I'm just talking about. I realize I better humble myself. Because if I don't humble myself, he can't bless me. He can't beautify me. And I became the hindrance to my own salvation, to my own prosperity, my own increase. Has anybody else been like, like that? You've been, you've been critical when you should have been rejoicing. You've been theoretical when you should have been rejoicing. You might have even pouted for a little minute when you should have been rejoicing. Went home, had a car, quiet car ride. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Psalm, give me Psalm 69. Psalm 69, starting at verse 29. Psalm 69, verse 29. Ooh, thank you. I'm almost done for today. But I am poor and sorrowful. But I am poor and sorrowful. Same word. Let your salvation, O oh God, set me up on high. Huh? And that, that's good. Notice what he said. I'm poor. So let your salvation set me up on high. Verse 30, keep going, please, because y'all didn't celebrate it enough on that. That was good. Because y'all, y'all got your little stimmy, so you're good. But when the stimmy is spent, go back to verse 29, when the stimmy is spent. When the stem is all gone, I want you to go back to verse 29 and say, Lord, I'm poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, oh God, set me upon me. I'll mess with y'all. I'll mess with you. I'll mess with you. I'll mess with you. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with what? Keep going, please. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull which has horns and hooves. Now watch this next verse, please. The humble, 
Okay, now let's go, go back to verse 29 here. I want you to see what happens now. Go back to verse 29. I want you to see this. I'm poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, oh God, set me up on high. In other words, God, I want to come up. Now, now this is a poor man saying, I want to come up. Now go back to verse 31. Verse, uh, yeah, verse 31. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bull. This is when I praise God. because I'm, So I'm, I'm coming up. And I'm going to praise God now because I'm coming up. Now watch verse 32. 32. The humble shall see me coming up. And be glad. So are you glad when you see somebody else coming up? Yeah, we went to the same school, or we work on the same job, or we 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 we're in the same neighborhood. Look, at, they coming up. Are you happy about it? See, everybody say, say I'm on to come up. Say it again. I'm on to come up. Ask your neighbor, are you happy about it? God is increasing me. God is beautifying me. God is glorifying me on the outside. Now, if you're humble, you're going to be happy about it. You're not going to judge me, criticize me, pick on me, look at me bad, look at me funny, stop talking to me. God, that's another wig. Yeah, but it's my wig. Leave my wig alone. It's my wig. I'm coming up. See? The humble shall see this and be glad. And you who seek God, your heart shall live. Verse 33, last verse, verse 33. For the Lord hears the poor and does not despise his prisoners. Okay, so when God begins to bring people up, are you happy about it? Are you glad about it? Because God wants us all to come up. See, and God will do it. We were laughing this weekend. Well, I don't know which kid, which one of our children came up with this phrase, uh, but I, I'm going to try to use it. You know, three stages of come up. Really, I want to call it three stages of pride. One is you're trying to catch up. Two, you're trying to keep up. And three, you're trying to one-up. Now, Jonathan, everybody starts out trying to catch up. I'm talking about when pride is working. See, when pride is not working, I'm, when I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not trying to catch up with you. I want to receive everything God has for me. I'm going to be everything God wants me to be. I'm going to do everything God wants me to do. I'm not trying to catch up with you. Matter of fact, the further ahead you go, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to celebrate you. But when pride is working, I'm trying to catch up with you. And then once I catch up with you, now I'm going to work hard to keep up with you. You get a new jacket, I'm going to get a new jacket. You get a new tie, I'm going to get a new tie. You get a new wig, I'm going to get me a new wig. You, you get your nails, I'm going to get my nails done. You get a car, I'm going to get a car. You get a man, I'm going to get me a man. You get a woman, I'm going to get me a woman. I'm going to get you. 
It don't matter what kind of man or woman he is. Just she is. Just, as long as I got one, to say I got one because you got one. I'm gonna get me one. You follow what I'm saying? It's just it's the keep up. Then you move from keeping up to now I got a one up. Oh, you gave your two year old that kind of birthday party for two year old because. Oh, it's okay. My two-year-old birthday party. Watch when I'm, my child turned two. Watch the kind of party I get. I'm breaking the bank. Cause your child turned two in September. My child turned two in February. And you know I get my tax money in January. And you, I'm a you bummer. Right. So now it's the one-up. I gotta outdo. That's when pride is working. That's when hardness and arrogance is working. See, when it's not proud or arrogant, I'm going to celebrate you. When I see you trying to come up, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you come up. Oh, you getting a new place? I'm, let me help you with your place. You need furniture? All right, we gonna, I'm going to help you get some furniture. I'll get you some pots and pans some dishes, some towels. Some, get you some Home Depot card or something. Just... I'm happy about you coming up. You got a car? I'm going to buy you some gas. I'm going to buy you some gas. I want to help you. I want to help you come up because I'm not haughty or arrogant. I'm happy. See, this is how you know whether humility is working or haughtiness is working. Ask your neighbor, are you coming up? <laughs> By God. Because if you're doing it by yourself, you're trying to catch up, keep up, so you can one up. Don't waste your time trying to one up somebody. Remember, I preached that series on covetousness? Talked about comparison. How when you start comparing yourselves with other people, the Bible says it's not wise. When you compare yourselves with yourselves, it's not wise. Don't compare your wife to somebody else's wife or your husband to somebody else's husband and your life to somebody else's life. Enjoy the wife of your youth. My son, boy. I'm going to preach one day, boy. He's going to pass the church. Said, don't the Bible say enjoy the wife of your youth or have the, have the wife of your youth? And he's thinking that means you're supposed to get married young. I said, no, that means when you get old, keep the one you always had. That's what that means. Don't exchange it from some young hottie on the job. Some little fluttering eye girl show up on the job. Now you want to let go of the one that's always to help you build everything you have. Hallelujah. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. It's better I'll unhook right there. So stay out of strife. Don't trust your own heart. And make sure you're glad when other people come up. You celebrate. Those are indicators of whether you're haughty or humble. And I'm going to show you this here on Wednesday night. God resists the proud. But he gives grace 
to the humble. That's all the time I have. Give God a praise for today. Come on, give God a big praise. Let him know you appreciate the word of God today. Hallelujah. God will beautify the humble with salvation. That means if you, you and I humble ourselves, God will do the beautifying for us. We don't have to do it. We don't have to make it happen for ourselves. God will make it happen for every one of us. Amen? So he'll make us beautiful, not just on the inside, but beautiful on the outside for the whole world to see and experience the glory of God on the children of God. Amen? Amen. Father, today we thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. Thank you for the word today that you've given us. How important it is for us to be humble before you. God, you said in the word that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Your word said, Father, you will beautify the humble, the meek, with salvation. Lord, you've made us beautiful on the inside. You've glorified us. You've put something deep and rich and glorious inside each and every one of us. And it's your divine plan to take what's on the inside and let it be manifested outside, to transfigure us before men, that they may see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven. Now, Father, I'm asking you today, that each and every one of these, your precious people, that, Lord, they'll join me in really assessing ourselves, that we'll really evaluate ourselves, not just overall, but in every little detail, in every situation, whether we've walked humbly before you or whether we've let arrogance or haughtiness or pride dictate our emotions, our feelings, our responses to people. Forgive us for stirring up strife. Forgive us for contention. Forgive us Forgive us when, when we felt to celebrate truly with someone who's coming up. God, we're glad to see our brothers and sisters come up. It gives us, gives us great joy to know that you are blessing somebody. You are raising them up, that you are doing supernatural things in their lives. It gives us great joy to know, Father, that you are still in the blessing business, the miracle business, that you're in the neighborhood, that you are concerned about us. And God, we don't ever need to compare ourselves with anybody else. We don't ever need to put anybody down to make ourselves feel good. Forgive us for that. I ask you personally to forgive me for that. Putting down other pastors and other ministries to make me feel better about myself. Forgive me for that. That's not how we ought to behave. Father, you want us to humble ourselves and be glad and celebrate. Your word says for us to judge, to never judge another man's servant. So God, forgive us for judging your servants. We thank you for what you're doing in other people's lives. Thank you that people are increasing all around us. Thank you that our brothers and sisters are getting new jobs and new homes and new vehicles and new relationships and doors are opening for them. Thank you. 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 That you're proving yourself alive and well and strong. Thank you. We celebrate with them. God, we'll humble ourselves down so that we can taste the grace that you have for us, your children. Today, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Father, that you cleanse us from all that unrighteousness so we can stand before you holy and pure and righteous in your sight so you can now beautify us with your great salvation. 
Oh, God, thank you that we're all coming up. You're raising us all up out of the dust, out of the ash heap, out of the dung. You're raising us all up, God, and setting us up with princes and the nobles of the land. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That as the body of Christ, we're going to be at the top and never at the bottom. Above only. Never beneath. The head, not the tail. Walking in the excellence, the gleam and the luster, the beauty that you place upon us, your people. Let us be so beautiful that the whole world is attracted to us and they come to know Jesus because of what they see in, on, and through our lives. Today we, get, we thank you and we give you praise, glory, and honor. For it all we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Give God a grand of praise again today. Hallelujah. Glory to God.